This is the 4501 Podcast, Episode 8, Investing for Beginners in 2019. exhausted today was a long day yeah today was quite a long day um so first off we are starting this on facebook live so you'll see us both in this webcam right here and then tony is over there um we're streaming this facebook live it took a little bit um took to a actually, lot. <laughs> it took a lot to settle and figure out um but i think we finally got to a point where we're happy with the audio setup and recording on adobe edition and actually there's a microphone right here that you can't see that should be picking up most of our audio so um it's kind of gonna be everything but hopefully it's clean if it's not please post in the comment that the audio is going really bad so do that so as we mentioned this is episode eight and this is the first time we're trying something live for the podcast so if you are fortunate enough or at this point since you know about the live streams that we're going to be doing check out us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash the 4501 podcast and follow us there. And anytime we do anything like this, like a live podcast recording, you will see us and you can get, watch us three, four five weeks ahead of time. Yeah. Um, this is, we've always been wanting to stream for a while and record at the same time. So I think we finally got to a point where we're able to do so. Hopefully we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully our audio routing can get a little bit better, but uh, let's get to the podcast. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about investing for beginners and I guess we're good candidates for that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, one of the things that I learned early on for investing is that you need to start early and also, um, I don't know, start with what you can. Uh, you don't need to have large amounts of money. I mean, that's great and everything. But most of the time, you're not going to actually have that down the line. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of people think you have to be rich to invest, but that's definitely not the case. So any change that you got, start an investment account. And we'll, we'll talk about that all in this episode. So um, I think first, let's define what investing is. That's a good call. Yeah. What is investing, Tony? So investing, by definition, is committing money with the expectation of obtaining profit. What that, do you think of that? That's a good, good <laughs> that's a very defined definition warren buffett says it a little bit differently and if you don't know warren buffett he's like the king of investing he says investing is a process of laying out money now to receive more money in the future so whatever definition you like take your pick yeah i don't know i you just want to make money that's the bottom line i think one distinction we should make is investing is not gambling they're right, two completely sure different that? things I, I believe so. And, and the reason I think so is because gambling is a very short term, like get rich quick kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But investing is most of the time a very long, uh, long term game. It's very true. And we know that you are really bad at gambling. <laughs> Who, me? Well, well, so Loyola is going on their training trip this week, right? Yeah. So it's only fair that we bring up the Puerto Rico gambling episodes. Yeah, it's just a, it's a good story. I think we need to tell. All right. You got the mic. Well, OK, so Puerto Rico, what the the gambling age of Puerto Rico is 18 mm -hmm. and the hotel we stayed at had a casino in the bottom. 
You remember that? Yeah, it first was floor. The, the, M- <laughs> the Embassy Suites. Yeah. And so I'm sure the Loyola kids who are there now will be doing the same thing. That's right, because they're there. Yeah. And so my game of choice is, is roulette. You love roulette. I love roulette. Because if, if you're going to gamble, if you're going to gamble, the ultimate gambling game is roulette. It's a game of chance. I don't like playing blackjack because you can always do something to kind of win, right? In roulette, yeah, I, I definitely see the difference. There's a lot more ways. You, you, you're more in control of the game, I feel like, in roulette. No, 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 not in roulette. Oh, well, yeah, you control. You can choose, but, but make more choices. Make more choices, but it's more based on chance. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so, so for those of you that don't know, roulette is the game with uh, the ball and the spinning wheel, and you basically put money on different numbers and stuff like that. And so one night in Puerto Rico, Tony and I went down to the casino after a practice and we were playing roulette and I won like 200 bucks and Tony lost probably about 200. I did not lose. I my, I only put out like 20. No, that's for, a lie. No, 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 no. So from what I remember, <laughs> from what I remember is that we put out like 40 bucks. Okay. And then I won and then you lost and then you're like, Oh damn! I can't lose this money. So then you took out like another forty bucks. So maybe not two hundred, but it was a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that. But stupid. still, you lost money. I lost money, and and the fact that I lost like made me want to try to win it back, which is a terrible, terrible way to approach gambling. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I um, don't know. But that's a good story. So so, but investing should not be like that. Yeah, right? yeah you absolutely. should you should you should go with the intention that I am going to invest. And I'm going to succeed and I'm going to try to get as much money as possible. Yeah. And not for a long time. In a more targeted approach. Yep. And you, if, if that's not your cup of tea, I guess, um, if you want, I guess, a safer asset to invest in, there are options for you, which we just felt like we should list off the bat here. Um, some of those are like high yield savings accounts and money market accounts. So those are like, zero they're essentially zero risk options that'll make you whatever the interest rate is at the time yeah so for money market accounts can you explain like how okay so for uh, i can take savings accounts after this but can you explain like how you would go about setting up a money market account sure yeah i i'm sure a lot of banks have them i just have capital one 360 you can have um as many i guess money market accounts that you want to there is a ten thousand dollar minimum for them but once you meet that minimum, you get you can earn pretty much double what you would earn in a, I feel like a high yield savings account in the same bank, and that is a fire truck going down the street here in Baltimore. Yeah, so go ahead and talk about high yield savings account. I, it's kind of the same thing, right? So high yield savings accounts are basically a savings account. Like you can open it's like a checking account, except you need to be more particular about where you are actually investing your money. And so a lot of banks don't necessarily have um, a good savings yield. So if you go to like Bank of America and stuff like that, or um, I don't know, what's another big bank? The PNC. Well, no, well, yeah. So, so like their normal savings accounts don't earn you that much. So they'll maybe like earn you like a percent or anything like that. But for a high yield savings account, they earn you close to like the average rate right now is like 2.05%. And the thing about high yield savings accounts is that they actually um, they actually are based off of the 
rates for like the federal reserve, like the, the, the national U S bank essentially. And so if rates go up, then your interest rates for your savings go up also. So when I first started my savings account, it was probably close to down like 1.5, I think. And now it's grown with the interest rates because we've had actually a rate increase every quarter for like this past year. It's gone from like 1.5 to now 2.05. And so it's, it's a quick and easy way. And one thing I would like think is probably something important to say is that what you want in your account is also if you want a liquid account meaning that do you want to be able to freely access that money whenever you want to, or do you have to go through some other channels to actually do it? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so that's why like you've heard of certificates of deposits, CDs. Yeah. So CDs are not liquid money, right? So they're, they're tied up in a specific time frame. So if you put a thousand bucks into a 12 month CD, then you can't access that money for 12 months. I mean, you could you could do it, but there's a penalty for breaking it. We're going to start by talking about different ways you can invest or different asset classes you can invest in. Um, the main one that everybody thinks about is stocks. After that, we got bonds. And those are the two that we're going to focus on in today's podcast. But next time when we do our next episode, we're going to talk about ETFs, which are electronically traded. Funds? Is that how it is? The ETF acronym? Exchange traded funds. Exchange traded funds. Okay. And then another asset class would be real estate, Bitcoin. And there's there, we can keep going on and on with this. You know, I wish Bitcoin was, was better than what it turned out to be. Yeah, you were you got sucked into that craze. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just a quick overview of the asset classes. And like I said, we're going to focus on stocks and bonds. So um, what do you think? Should we... Talk about compounding now. Tony, take us away. What is compounding? What is compounding? Compounding is magical. Okay. So compounding is essentially taking your profits that you earn from one year, say, and reinvesting that into the market and earning additional profits from that. So I don't want to use the wrong word. I know people always say stuff grows exponentially and it's not actually mathematically exponentially, but For the sake of example, just imagine your money growing exponentially instead of linearly. And that is essentially what happens when you have compound. So, so for the, Ooh, excuse me. We just ate Indian food. Um, (laughs) for those that are watching exponential is this linear is this. And for those of you who are listening, exponential is like a, a line, right? A line with no curves and sorry. Did I say exponential? Linear is a line with no curves and exponential is like a curved line that approaches vertical quicker. So yes, (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to explain these things. Well, yeah, at least you got the the linear one. (laughs) Yeah, I call myself. Um, So so I think a better example would be to throw some numbers. And I love this example. So. If you bought Apple. $10,000 Mm-hmm. $10,000 of Apple stock back in 1980. And because of compounding, because of the appreciation in the value of the stock itself, it, no, not today, in February 28th of 2017, you would have $2,709,000. Okay. 
in your account without adding additional phones. So that's that's after 37 years. That is. Yeah. Yeah. 37 years. Yeah. Wow. That's two million from from 10,000 investment. That's crazy. And that's without touching it, right? Without that's like, touching like you're it. Not, you're not buying more stock. You're not doing anything else. Yeah. So that's that's powerful. That's that's, that's an yeah. extreme example. Yeah. Because I mean, you have to be in the right place at the right time. But that's freaking awesome. You know, it's a better kind of. Well, this is actually probably more recent that you can think of. Um, what about Amazon? Mm. You know, you've been following them. Well. I, you know, Amazon's what I, I haven't checked lately, but they're probably over like a thousand at this point. Mm. They're they're really high, and so I remember when Amazon first came onto the market, they're like trading at like a dollar or two. Wow! And so imagine, and that's and that was not thirty seven years ago. That was ten years ago, fifteen, mm-hmm. like when we first started college. Mm-hmm. Like your rate of return, I don't even know what the percentage is. That's crazy. That's like a thousand times profit. Yeah, yeah, essentially. <laughs> it's a mind blowing. It is, um, but the, the we have, I should say like a caveat. These are just edge cases. These are not what you should expect from investing on a day to day basis. I'd say if you get lucky, that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to time the market, you're never going to time the market because it, it's based off way too many factors. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody can predict that type of no, stuff. And if you can, they're 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 bullshitting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, a, a more simple example, I think, of compounding that really puts the point home mm-hmm. is um, we'll just use some round numbers here. So, like, say you have a thousand dollars to invest, and you have some type of asset that earns you ten percent per year. Yep. So you put that ten thousand dollars. I said a thousand. You put that thousand dollars into that investment vehicle and year day one you have ten thousand dollars one year later you have earned ten percent so now you have ten thousand one hundred dollars so you earned a hundred dollars over that one year now like i said before when you are compounding you're reinvesting that hundred dollars that you earned back in so at the end of year two you're going to earn ten percent of $1,100. $1,100. You're going to end up with $1,210. So this is a lot of numbers, but as that goes on and on, let's just say 10 years down the road, your $1,000 is now going to be worth $2,594. 25 years down the road, it's going to be worth $10,000. So you essentially 10x your initial $1,000 deposit over the course of that, those 25 years. Yeah, so I think one thing that we need to, like from this example, is that it's very important to start early. Absolutely. Right? Because if you start at 18, 25 years later, what? You're $10,000 richer and you're not working? I mean, you are working, but what is 18 plus 25? 18 plus 25? Yeah. 35, 43. You're like 40 in your 40s. Yeah. I mean, so like the power of compounding interest is magnified when you start young. Yeah, the earlier the better. The more time you have to invest your assets, the better. The more it's going to grow. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about the vesicle. <laughs> That's a science term. 
the vehicles of how you can actually um, earn more money. So stocks and bonds. All right, let's. Uh, you take stocks or you take bonds first. Explain to us what bonds are, because because from what I understand, bonds are much more safer asset class than stocks. Bonds tend to be more safe than stocks. So bonds are essentially government debt. So you're buying government debt. The government needs money. So you're going to loan that money to the government and they promise to pay you back at a specific interest rate or a specific uh, yield. Okay. So I've never owned a bond directly. I've never bought a bond directly, but just say you earn 2% on a bond uh, and you have bought it for a thousand dollars. And maybe there, there's, there's timeframes for these bonds too. Like some bonds are two years, some bonds are five years, 10 years. So like we just talked about, the longer your bond is for, the more interest you're going to earn over time. So that's, that's bonds 101. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a fixed rate of return. Right. Yep. Fixed. And it happens most likely annually. Okay. All right. And so um, who do you buy these bonds from? Um, You can buy them. So there's government bonds. Mm -hmm. There's uh, international bonds. So you can buy them overseas from Germany or some other country that needs money. Yeah. Um, I think you can get corporate bonds too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are. I just don't think you can buy them as easily as you can like stock. Yeah, I'm not sure what the market is for that. Yeah, but you're right. There is corporate bonds. But I mean, stocks are a little bit easier to kind of manage. They're essentially you're buying pieces of a company, so you become an owner of a company. Partial owner, yeah. And so what happens is, back in the day, you literally bought a certificate, like a piece of paper, saying I own one share of AT and T, like that. And then what happens is that you have this exchange market. So the New York Stock Exchange or the, I don't even know, do you know what the NASDAQ stands for? Uh, no, I don't North know. American that. Stock Directory. I don't know. We could look it up, but I don't know what to. Anyway, so the, the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ are the two main ones. Um, but basically those exchanges, are you're, you're literally exchanging that certificate. So that you're exchanging that ownership of that company. And what happens is it's based off supply and demand. So companies, they will actually limit the amount of stocks you can have. So let's say you have a company and they give you, they put up like a million stocks for purchase. Okay. And so if 900,000 of those stocks are owned, then it's a very valuable stock. And the price of that stock goes up because demand or supply is little because everyone owns it. And if you were trying to buy it, it's going to go up. It's like a high cost right does that make sense yeah i think so like uh i think what you're talking about initially was is that the market cap like the the is that the capitalization of the of the company that's just how much the oh, worth, it's worth. Yeah. okay yeah but I'm, I'm just talking about the actual cost of the stock okay so so like if if that stock may be worth a hundred dollars or mm-hmm. something like that um but if that stock isn't wanted and there's too high of a supply, if there's too high of a supply and demand is really low, then mm-hmm. that price is going to go down. Oh, sure, sure. It's also in supply and demand. Yeah. But basically, you're, you're just buying pieces of companies. Yeah, you are. Yep. So more valuable companies will be more sought after and higher priced for various reasons. Yeah. And like as they, as they grow over time and become more valuable, so does the value of your stock. Yes. And so what you're going for for stocks is that you're hoping that your stock that you buy that piece of company grows over time. So let's say you buy a stock at $10 one year and then you wait 20 years or something like that. And your stock goes from $10 to a hundred dollars. That's the ideal scenario. 
Um, but another thing is when you get stocks, and I don't think we talked about this earlier, is that companies also give you dividends. Mm-hmm. And so if a company makes a profit for that quarter or that year, mm-hmm. and sometimes what they'll do is they'll either use that dividend, that, that excess profit, they'll use that profit money to actually develop their company more. They might pay, use that money to pay for more workers or more machines or something, something like that. Or what they can do is they can use that profit to give back to the shareholder. So that's mm-hmm. called a dividend. And so you can increase your money that way. Yep, yep, all true. I think, um, I think for those of you who are still skeptical about stocks and bonds and investing, I, I, love, I love these examples that really drive home the point of like the power of investing. So I know we went through a couple before, but this is one of my favorite ones. And I, there's actually a rule for this. I think it's called like the 7.2 rule or 7. It's I have no idea what rule that is. Yeah. It, okay. Google 7.2 investing or something. But assuming a 7.2 rate of return with any deposit amount, let's just say 10 grand again, every 10 years, your money's going to double. Okay. Okay. Every 10 years, your money's going to double. Yeah. So year zero, you have 10 grand. Yep. Year 10, you have 20 grand. Yep. Year 20, you have 40 grand. Okay. You're 30. <laughs> you have 80 grand. Okay. Okay. And you're 40. You have 160 grand from a 10 grand initial investment. So where, but where is the 70% coming or the 7.2% coming from? That's just assuming an average annual rate of return. An average annual yield per year. You make 7, 7.2%. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So if you do the math, if you sit there on a calculator, type in 10 grand. Or just do an Excel. Or an Excel. Yeah. And hit that button 40 times. You're going to end up with 160 grand from $10,000 from $10,000 and do nothing, doing nothing. You don't even have to add to it. That's amazing. Is that not? I find that so fascinating. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Or else I wouldn't be investing if I didn't find it interesting. So if you're, if you're in your like early twenties, even mid twenties, and you're thinking about buying a $10,000 car, just in the back of your mind, think that that could be worth, if you put it in the right asset class, $160,000 by the time you retire. That's cool. But um, <laughs> okay I, I could talk about this all day but i know we're already at 23 minutes or close to 20 we're at 29 minutes <laughs> we got well, a I'm live stream we're at 29 minutes we gotta we gotta make sure we get to all and the we topics. have 0.3 frames dropped which i'm super impressed about you right. have the worst internet your internet's doing well well yeah I'm at impressed. least tonight i hope so um but okay so what's what are we going to do into next so compounding uh great but what are some of the things that can take away from com- compounding your interest? Yeah, yeah. Compounding works in the opposite direction, too. So if you're paying high fees to have your uh, investment account, you're going to lose not just as much money, but you can potentially lose more money by overpaying for fees. So another example would be a 2% fee for your investment account. Okay. If you have a 2% fee, you are going to essentially pay three grand over the course of 10 years in fees, assuming a $10,000 initial investment. Now, if you have a 1% fee, you're paying one grand, well, $1,800 in fees over the course of those 10 years. And if you have a quarter of a percent of fees per year over the course of those 10 years, you're only going to pay $500 in fees over that time. So you can see the difference between a quarter of a percent fee and a 2% fee is close to $3,000 over that time. 
So compounding works both ways. So fee, where does the fee come from? The fee comes from whoever you choose to invest your money with. So there's plenty of different ways you can invest your money. I'm sure you all saw commercials for like um, E-Trade. What's another one? Uh, Vanguard, E-Trade, Charles Schwab. If you have a 401k, there's 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 fees for your manager to manage your 401k yeah. that you yeah. probably aren't aware of. Yeah. Um, these are all these are all things that you should consider when you are investing. So I feel like um, when people set up their 401ks or their Roths or whatever, they don't know about this. Like a lot of these fees are kind of hidden. If that makes any sense. Like they're they're not hidden, but they're not easily. People um, don't even know to look for them. Not, yeah, yeah they, they don't know to look for them and they're not easily published by these people yeah by yeah. your money managers yeah so that's why educating yourself for just investing in general all aspects of it is a really good idea yeah i think knowing what you need and like knowing what you um like want to get out and and thinking about what type of i guess income strategy you want right and so we talked about savings bond. So like I would say that you need to have a certain percentage of high yield savings and a certain percentage in like stocks and bonds. Oh yeah. I'm talking about diversifying your. Yeah. Diversifying your portfolio. But then you've, everyone's heard of that before. And that means like you can diversify the stocks within your, your training account or whatever, or you can even like diversify your, your, your assets. So like you can have stocks, bonds, Real estate, Bitcoin, um, I don't know. Yeah. What else? There, there's, there's many, I think what you're trying to say is there's many different ways to diversify. Yeah. Like you can diver- diversify your assets. Yeah. Diversify your um, individual stock that you're yeah, buying. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And, and what the, but the main goal for diversification is that if you take a hit in one section, it's not going to affect, like other sections will still be profitable. Right. So if, the, if, right. if, you're, if, you're stocks, if you're in stocks, you, the market enters into a recession and all your money goes down the drain for that, you still have whatever bonds or uh, I don't know, real estate. Yeah. This, so, yeah, if stocks go down there, there tends to be correlation between that asset class and other asset classes. So stocks can go down. Bonds might go up. Yeah. So I think the challenge for people, especially young investors, is that. A, they want to make money, and B, they want to make money now. And so I think one of the fatal flaws for, for us as, I don't know, 30-year-olds or whatever, 20 year I'm not 30 yet. <laughs> um, okay. Um, for kids that are around our age is that they just want to make money, as much money as they can in the immediate kind of now, yeah. right? And they don't realize, like, this compounding interest is, what, 25 years? Like, you're only, you're only going to make money 25 to 30 years from now. Yeah. And it's really hard to see that. Yeah, and maybe that's just like a millennial thing, or you know, you you want it, you want it now. Yeah, and so one thing that I think that we can talk about this in a later date, but um, going back to the diversification stuff, right? And so what I know is that a lot of people our ages, and I've actually read articles about this, and also read or heard on seen on CNBC, is that a lot of people our age are actually going to Trade ETFs instead, exchange traded funds, and so what those are are they're 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 on the stock market, but what they are they're essentially I guess like mutual funds, right? Yeah, except there's nobody managing them. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like no one managing them, and basically it's a mutual fund, except within that ETF are different sectors, 
And so you could have an ETF that mirrors the S&P 500 and basically all the stocks within that ETF is uh, S&P 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Or you can do like a sector like energy. Mm-hmm. So within that, that energy ETF would be like Exelon or... UGI, Columbia Gas of Virginia. Is, is that <laughs> That's where my sister works. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. And, or like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Avangrid? Avangrid? There's also like energy, NRG. Mm, yeah, I saw those. I'm just thinking of like the football stadiums. <laughs> Are they all of, energy? Well, no, a lot of well, I think there is an NRG stadium. Uh, I think that's the one in Texas. I don't remember. But like a lot of these power companies uh, lease out their or pay the stadiums money to put their brand name mm-hmm. in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, they got they got deep pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but. Uh, uh, I guess that being said, like ETFs are a really good choice in my opinion versus buying individual stocks. Like if you're stock picking, I feel like you have to really, really know what you're doing, be extremely educated and guess have a, a huge stomach for risk because it could essentially backfire on you. Um, I know, well, I don't know personally, but I can see a lot of people, you know, losing a lot of money by picking putting all their money into one basket. Like we just talked about diversification. Say somebody puts like 10 grand into, um, let's say, let's go back to that Amazon example. Somebody bought Amazon back in the day and it didn't perform the way it did today. And they lost a lot of money overnight by thinking that it was going to jack up in price overnight. That that's what you want to avoid. And, um, in order to do that, something like an ETF or even a mutual fund is a really good, way to avoid that and that's actually what we're going to talk about in next week's episode um, which is going to focus on robo advisors which takes the human decision making out of your investing decisions a robo advisor is a buzzword for um, a, a platform that somebody some company built to systematically and automatically invest across different asset classes based on your risk tolerance. So if you have a high stomach for risk, then you're going to go into more risky assets. If you have a low stomach for risk, you put that in to the computer and it's going to choose different asset classes for you that are more safe. So it's a really good way for people who don't really want to get into the, um, I guess, the, get the dirty aspect of investing, of you know, doing a lot of research and for people who just want to set it and forget it. And gotcha. know they're in good shape. Yeah. So do you have, well, we can talk about the next episode, tease it out. Do you have any experience with robo-advisors? I do. I have, I've tried out a couple robo-advisors. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that more next week. Okay. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention that stock picking is bad. Robo-advisors are good. Okay. I, I'm actually the complete opposite. I like stock picking. Is that right? Yeah, I do like stock picking. Well, I just, I, it, for me, it's... I, I understand the passive income. So what I kind of understand is that you do need to put a specific amount into like index funds. Like I'm very pro index funds, meaning that I buy, um, I guess they're mutual, they're mutual fund ETFs or something like that. They're like they're mutual funds or ETFs. Mm-hmm. Again, those are collections of stocks and that they mirror a specific market index like the S and P 500 or the, or even the Vanguard has like a total stock market. Mm, yeah, yeah, those are really good. And they're really yeah. cheap too. Yeah, they're cheap. They're cheap. And they're basically will mirror the market, right? So if the market goes up, they'll go up. And the market goes down, go down. Um, and I honestly think that you need to have 
five to 10 grand in that like index fund section before you can actually start trading stocks. I'll give you the can that <laughs> you can. <give> me- <laughs> yeah. Well, you just want it's again, it's, it's all about trying to manage your risk and you're trying to change your risk from purely just picking stocks to, I can pick like 75% stocks and 25%. I still have based that it's still going to track the, the stock market. Yeah. To a point for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's okay. So we can talk about that. I guess the next podcast. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good plan. Okay. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful. You guys for investing. If you know anything about investing and this was all common knowledge for you, I'm sorry, but for those of you that this helped, um, I'm really glad we could be of assistance. All right. And thank you everyone for watching on the live stream. Wave bye, Tony. See you guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at the 4501 Podcast to keep up with the latest news and events. If you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us, shoot us an email at the 4501podcast at gmail.com.